All right, we're back. How's it going, Avery? Hey, Carson. Doing good. good. How are you? I'm all right. Good. Just been busy with work and, yeah. What have you been up to lately? What's going on in <clears throat> your life? Uh, mostly I've just been doing summer classes. Okay. They are keeping me busy yeah. for sure. One of them is 35 hours like a week is what it says as the time commitment. But for a of course, class? Yeah, the class. 35 um, hours a week? Yeah, for one class. That's like a job. It is a job, yeah. What, so what I mean, is it's not a job, but like, yeah. What's the class about? What are you doing? It, it's heat transfer. It's okay. summer school heat transfer, and it's, it's known as one of the harder classes that you take, mm. even during a normal length semester, and then this is condensed into the summer time frame. Uh, eight weeks, I think. That's so. why. Yeah, okay. so it's it's just... Every every day I have a lecture, and every two days I have a homework assignment. Wow. And then on the days I don't have a homework assignment, I have a discussion section okay. and, and a quiz. So. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Yeah. So is this kind of saving your butt for next semester? Like, is this going to make next semester a little bit easier, a little lighter? Yeah. So what I did was I actually took one class off of next semester, which is this heat transfer class. Mm-hmm. So that'll make my next semester hard or er, easier. Yeah. And then this summer I added an extra class on top of that, which is this business management class that I'm in. Cool. Which is much, much easier than the yeah. marketing. Yeah. Well, the business classes yeah. are always so much easier, right? Well, business school is right. easier. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, so that that helps boost my GPA a little bit, get some extra credits in there, and nice. makes my next semester easier. So how, how many credits are you taking? Now I'm taking 15. Wow. Well, not this summer, like next next fall. Okay, this next summer sem- I'm taking yeah. six. Six, okay. Yeah. Dang. A three. I had an 18-credit semester next next fall, so now it's down to 15. Oh, dude. And then this summer is six. So That's really nice. It honestly saved my bacon. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be nice. Man. Cool. Cool. Are you... Do you, uh, are you able to get out at all outside of that homework or what? <laughs> like do- For stuff like this, yes. Yeah, cool. Gotcha. It's, yeah, I was able to take the weekend off. Um, I worked really hard to get all this stuff done so that I didn't have to work on the weekend because I do, I have like assignments due on Sundays and stuff Ugh. like that, which is just <laughs> the worst. Yeah. Um, but this weekend I was able, able to take off and then Tuesday, 4th of July, we didn't have lecture when we normally would have. Mm. Um, so I got a little bit of a break there. There yeah. was still assignments, but able to get that done um, in a reasonable amount of time anyway. So what what'd you what'd you do for the 4th? Oh, man. The 4th Don't of me. July was fun. Yeah. Um, so I should I should state that we did the, the 4th of July celebrating on Monday night, which was okay. the 3rd of July. Um, I actually went on a double date, me and Claire, mm-hmm. and my sister and her boyfriend. We oh, which was a, a new thing for me. Never gone on a double date with a sibling. How do you um, like him? I like him a lot. You do? I do. Okay. My sister? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we went to Waukesha. 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 Waukesha to see wow. their fireworks. And wow. It's a drive. Big carnival. Yeah, it was, it was a ways, but it was fun. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, and how old's your sister? She just graduated high school. Okay. She is 19. So where is she where is she going to go? She's going to UW Whitewater. She's okay. studying uh what's the actual title? So she wants to be an author and she was going to do international journalism to like mm, yeah, help with that, but then she discovered a love in her like junior and senior year of high school for this like 
website development stuff, and oh. she found a great major that mixes the two of them. I can't remember what it is right now. That's Maybe that's I'm cool a though. Bad brother, I should no. probably know that. No, I mean, <laughs> but it's it's Whitewater is very well known for it. Okay. They they have a really good just like business school in general. Mm-hmm. They're known for business, and they're also known for um, statistics. Actually, oh so, wow, um, yeah, Connor would yeah. have to find that out. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. So is the boyf is uh, the boyf going to Whitewater too, or where is he going? Do you know? He is not going to Whitewater. He's going to lacrosse mm. um and is lacrosse near whitewater not really is whitewater south of madison or do you know no it's uh northeast of madison oh okay mostly just east of madison okay so like cambridge where i'm from is half an hour east of madison yeah it's like 20 minutes northeast of cambridge oh okay so it's gotcha. yeah it's just east of Madison. Really. I see the trajectory. I see <laughs> it in my head. Okay. And then, yeah, lacrosse is where he's going. And he's actually, he's this super outdoorsy. Mm-hmm. He, he's going to be a DNR guy. He works for the DNR right now. Wow. Okay. Um, wants to be a ranger or a warden or something like that's, that. That's cool. Yeah he's, yeah. he's a great kid. Yeah. Super into fishing, which is something that I like, I enjoy, but never got like into. Me so. neither. I, that's one thing I felt like I, I wished I had gotten into more because i did it a few times with my high school friends um after we had already graduated um like when i come home from college and yeah it's like a great time just like hanging out with the guys um but i'm no good you know (laughs) i have no idea how to do it so and you you know like i know it's i feel like such a like i feel like such a pansy but i like i hate grabbing the fish (laughs) off the off the hook. Can yep. you do that? I can, yeah. yeah. Damn. I grew up doing that at our cabins, yeah. so I, I have no problem with it. Ugh. But but fishing is something I want to get better at. Yeah. I feel like as a man, I always say, as a man, you, you should know how to fish or <laughs> at least, yeah. You should be able to do it with right. no problems. Right. right. It doesn't have to be a, an everyday activity for you. You right. don't have to be super into it. But as a man, part of your manliness. Yeah. Is being able to take a fish off the hook. <laughs> right, I know. I got I got some work to do <laughs> for this wedding. Do you uh, do you ever hunt growing up? Yeah. Yeah, man. I that's one thing I wish. That's another thing I wished I had gotten into is hunting because where I'm from is like, uh, you know, during open season, like kids would be gone from school like that day, for a that, week. <laughs> that first day. Well, that first day, like oh. people would be absent, like yeah. even in middle school, because like they'd be they go like hunt with their parents or whatever. Oh yeah. And I, I wish that I always wish I'd been a part of that because I, I think that's such a, a cool thing. I mean, not only is it cool because you're out in nature and you learn how to hunt an animal like that's cool, but practically to to I don't know to shoot a, a deer and then have deer meat for like the next six months or something in your freezer, like you know there's some there's some uh, some really cool details and being uh, like self reliant in that and. And it saves you money, yeah, like a lot of money, because you get your your what your one deer permit, and it's like forty something bucks, yeah. And then literally the venison, you don't have to buy meat for yeah. six months or whatever, right. right? Yeah, yeah, that that's always cool. Um, yeah, I would love to go to it. Did you like when you hunted? Was it only deer, or like what would you? So I would go deer hunting, yes, and turkey hunting, and that was mm. on our property. Yeah, is where I would do that. But my number one, and I will die on this hill, <laughs> the number one best hunting experience you can have is duck hunting. Really? Yeah. Why? So, so when you're deer hunting or turkey hunting or any 
normal kind of hunting. You're sitting in a tree stand. You're being quiet. You're waiting for the animals to come to you, yeah. essentially. When you're duck hunting, you sit in a blind with, like, for us, it was our whole family. So it was, like, five or six or seven of us every year. What's a blind? So, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Um, What you do is you sit in a blind with all these people. Um, okay, a blind is an area that you're hiding. Think a tree stand um, where you're like elevated in a tree to stay away from the deer. Yeah. Ducks fly, so you're on the ground and you're covered. Oh, okay. Typically, we use like willows or uh, giant reeds or okay. you'd want to find tall grass or something. Sure. sure. Um, but you want it to be tall enough that you can have like foldable chairs is what we would do. Yeah. We'd have foldable chairs and we, what we'd do is we'd have our boat and we'd take these reeds and stick them in the mud. Yeah. Like, you know, two weekends before and then okay. or the weekend before or whatever. And then you just drive your boat right up into the weeds. Oh, wow. And then you wait and then the ducks come and they fly over you and you shoot them. Boom. But you don't have to be quiet. You can oh. talk and you, oh, it's really? the best time because you're just chilling with your yeah. with your guys yeah. or your family or whoever it is. Yeah. You've got snacks. You can eat. You don't have to be quiet. You're having right. a good conversation. Yep. And then, oh, there's some in the distance. All right, everybody yeah. hunker down and wait. Yeah. Okay. Know? And cool. it's just it's constant action, depending on where you are. I mean, yeah. but it's now yeah. when you shoot them, and you're in a boat. Mm-hmm. Do, okay, yeah, ask so, it. <laughs> so do you like do you go do you go grab the duck or do you have to have a dog that goes and fetches it? You do not have to have a dog, but many people do, and okay. that is part of the fun of duck hunting or any kind of bird hunting. Yeah, is there are dogs specifically bred to go get them, so that yeah. you yourself have to go don't have to go get them. Right. But right. what we typically do is we have a kayak. Oh. And we also all wear waders. So oh, if it's yeah. in shallow enough water, you just walk out to it and you'll Perfect. walk back and it's no problem. Yeah. yeah. If it's too deep, you take the kayak out and we always send the littlest one, which <laughs> was me for many years yeah. and now it's my brother. Sure. Because um, that job kind of sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like picking up a dead <laughs> bird. Yeah. Well, picking it up isn't the hard part. It's when you're paddling out there and then more ducks are coming and oh. you're like, oh, I can't shoot at them. Uh. And also it's usually cold water that's like dripping on you. So I'll kill, do it. What what kind of what type of season is duck hunting in? It's October. Oh it's, yeah, it, so it's, it's chilly. Yeah, yeah okay. it's the end. It's the end of fall, it, mm-hmm. and usually opening weekend it coincides with homecoming football games. Oh, so yeah. throughout yeah. all of high school, throughout all of college, opening weekend has coincided with homecoming. Yeah. And I would, I would do homecoming on Friday night or whatever it was. And then I drive Friday night to wake up at 3 a.m. Dude, no way. Um, to yeah. go out to the blind or 4 a.m. or whatever it was. That is that is the one thing you still get up early. And that's hunting anytime because animals are on the move during twilight and dawn. So. so if you had to hunt one animal for the rest of your life, because and and this is the only like animal that you could eat for the rest of your life, like what like what's the best animal to, to hunt if you're looking for a, like a good meal? Like what? Specifically food? Like what tastes better? Like hunt, hunting duck, you know? Duck tastes great. It is the most fun to hunt. But it, I would say, honestly, pheasant is the best tasting meal I've ever had. Mm. Venison is great. Turkey is great. Duck is great. Pheasant is a step above. Mm. I, okay. would, I would say if you're looking just straight for a meal, pheasant. What's it hunting. taste like? Or what was um, it compared to? Yeah, what can you... Compare it to. Have you ever had duck? I don't think so, no. Have you ever, you've had turkey. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so turkey's kind of a greasy bird. Yeah. Right? It, or at least the dark meat. Dark meat is, yeah. Um, think dark meat flavor without the grease. 
It's mm. not a greasy bird, but it is a. It has a lot of flavor packed into. Okay. The meat itself. Wow. Like it's okay. like in my opinion, white meat from turkey is or kind of close to chicken white meat, yeah. and it's like. Yeah. It's not as flavorful. No, it's not. No, dark meat. Yeah, like the dark meat, the thigh. Right. Always better. It's yeah. always better. I think think that, but the whole bird. Okay. Got you. Got you. Is there an animal that you uh, haven't, like, gone hunting for but you think would be, like, a lot of fun to go hunt? I've never been – I don't know if this really counts as hunting, but I've never been deep-sea fishing, and I've oh. heard really good things about deep-sea fishing. Yeah. I would love to do that. It's not really hunting, but I've heard it's similar to it because mm. you, you're still, like, sitting there out and about. And I don't know. It's got to be an adventure. But if you were looking for, like, a gun itself – yeah. I would love to go and hunt like bear or something. At some Dude, point. I was going to say that. I, I think bear I would be I'd, interesting. I don't think I'd want to eat it, but. You don't think so? <sighs> no, I, I, I would want to try it. I would yeah. want to try it. I, yeah. I can't imagine. I feel like it wouldn't be that good. But. I feel like you have to try it if you haunt it. That, I've heard uh, like hunting elk. Oh, That's yeah. That's what Joe Rogan is always talking about hunting elk. Oh, the other thing is, I guess in Texas. They have like tons of wild boar, like wild okay. pig. I changed my mind, hundred percent that. But yes, you wouldn't want to. Cool. You wouldn't want to eat those because they're pretty nasty. Apparently, they're they? they're, they're just wild and they're just gross. But they're like, they're uh, it's like an infestation of them, and they they need people just to kill them, like kind of like coyotes. They're invasive. Yeah, invasive. And so uh, I, I I was listening to uh, a Rogan podcast, and he was talking about how people will get in in like helicopters oh yeah fly up uh, like uh, above all the like these herds of these wild boar and then just starts you know just start shooting them with like you know like an ar or something just seen, mowing them down you seen the video with like the mini guns no they, i haven't they take mini guns really out. yeah you Dude. can you can rent those out apparently Dude, i don't know how much but that's texas right there <laughs> that's awesome to get in a, in a helicopter and just mowing down pigs <laughs> that would be fun i think um but yeah, I don't. I don't think you'd want to eat it. Really? I've, I, I mean, I guess it's not. It's wild. Is right. that's why it's I think, tough. Yeah, yeah. I've heard it. Yeah, it's it's just gross, and they've got like infections, and I don't know. That's what that's what I've heard. Um, yeah, I don't but know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think I j- honestly, dude, just just hunting in general would be, I think, fun. Just hunting deer. It is. You know, I, I uh, when I was in high school. And maybe this is kind of why I'm on this, uh, you know, I, I'm really, uh, you know, romanticizing the idea of going and hunting. But uh, when I was in high school, my my family like went in on a on a like a pig and a um, and a cow from like the fair with like a few other families, and we had like um, we had ham and sausages and uh, bacon and. Um, like steak and like burger patties for like a couple months and it was it was great and it was so good dude it was so good like the ham was just delicious like it wasn't comparable to anything you buy at the store and uh that's something i think would be fun just like going in on, <laughs> on like a pig or a horse or a, a pig or a, a cow or something from the fair you know oh yeah i want to do that <laughs> well don't you doesn't your family raise I I used to show animals at the fair. Yeah. And there would be companies or families that would bid on them. Yeah. That would be 
That's part of what I did. Do you part pr- of what I did. You profit from that, right? Or no? I personally would not po- profit from sure. it. But the people that I would um, raise the pigs for would profit from it. But you, you wouldn't raise them for your parents? Well, I did, but on a, not for the fair. So I was part of FFA. Yeah. And so, like, through FFA, I would get the pigs. I wouldn't pay for them. I would get them from FFA. Mm-hmm. I'd raise them off of feed that FFA paid me to raise mm-hmm. and then i would show them at the fair and the proceeds would go back to ffa um, now if i had funded everything myself then the proceeds would come back to me okay um, yep. but that's kind of the point of the ffa is to get the kids interested in raising animals and, and get them experience raising livestock and stuff like that and teach them how to do it properly um and that's right. why they kind of have that program because my family lives on a farm but mm. i would not call us farmers but your parents don't raise like what well, we do now. Cows. Oh, okay. We do now, but this is I'm out of the house now. Yeah. When we were when we were raising them, that was a learning experience. But now my parents have cows that yeah. they they don't show at the fair because we just butcher them ourselves and keep all the meat. And yeah. like for example, we butchered one cow last the March before this past March, so over a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. And we're still eating it. Dang, man. And yeah. we, I mean, we just, we don't buy and meat at the store. I bet it's good, too. It is so good. Yeah. It is yeah. so good. We don't, we don't buy meat because we have the cows. Yeah. We don't buy eggs because right. we have the chickens. Dude, chickens. I want to have <laughs> chickens when I grow up. Because it, it just seems so simple and, and eggs are so good for you. And uh, I bet that the eggs taste a lot better. They are. They? Yeah. They do. Are the yolks like bright orange, and that's what I've heard is depends uh, on what kind of chickens you have. Okay, ours are yellow, but the the yolk itself, so the eggs are brown instead of white. Okay, okay. Um, the yolks are yellow like you would expect at a store, mm-hmm. um, but the the white part isn't yeah. as white. It's like a, it's almost got a bluish tinge to it. Really, and it. It is ten times better than anything you'll buy at the store. Do you have to worry about salmonella when you have your own chickens? No, not if you cook it. Well, no, I mean if you didn't. I mean if you didn't cook it, like if you if you ate it raw, because isn't that like an infection in the? Like, isn't doesn't salmonella come from an infection in the chicken itself? So if you have healthy chickens, you don't have to worry about. I I actually have no idea. I don't know. That's worth looking up. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we'll we'll put an infomercial yeah. in the next podcast. Sure. Know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you have your own chickens and you have yeah. them treated, right, you don't have to worry about salmonella. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, just I don't know though. Interesting thought. <laughs> yeah, chickens would be. That's definitely. Uh, and it's so easy to do nowadays. Mm-hmm. Almost anywhere you go, if you have, you know. Even a small backyard, yeah. you can Space. house two or three chickens, yeah. and that'll provide for you two eggs a day, essentially. Yeah. Well, doesn't your mom? She, uh, you know, lend, uh, she gives them out to her neighbors and stuff, right? Yeah, all yeah. of her Bible study friends yeah. and all of. It's awesome. Yeah, that's, all of the people around great. us. Do you we have? have to, we have a lot of chickens, though. So yeah, we have like many, forty. Oh my god! <laughs> that is so it's, what's it's, the maintenance in that? 40 chickens? 40 chickens. Um, we go through, it's about a bag of feed every week. Okay. Um, and how, then the eggs. feed? I don't know what it is right now, actually. Mm-hmm. But I know that the eggs that she sells, she sells enough to cover uh, a bag and a half a week. Okay. And then 
we and that's after we already eat whatever we want. So uh, she's making a profit, but that profit goes back into buying more feed. Yeah, typically. Well, and you're and feeding out, uh, and you're feeding yourselves. Yeah, and, exactly. And you're you're not you're like you're better than breaking even. So it's like yeah, for sure. And they're better for you. Yeah. And they're yeah exactly. We're we're, we're profiting now. What it means is. Every day you gotta go out and you gotta feed the chickens, yeah. and once every Dude, couple weeks you gotta clean the cage. Gives you purpose though. Gives you something to do, you know, like something <laughs> to be proud of, you know. Um, but also, you like I don't know, that just seems way better, like way more appealing. Like I'm getting kind of hungry just talking about it. But you know, like what you're feeding your chickens, you know, like what you're feeding your cows and and your pigs and whatnot. Like you don't have to worry about where that like you know what kind of industrial farming right crap is is uh is gotten into your you know the meat you're buying at the store oh yeah so there's no preservatives in it yeah there's yeah. no yeah you you know and you know that like the cruelty piece there there's not true 50 chickens yeah just hang 10 feet right yeah, just or, hang in there yeah. yeah exactly yeah dude also i you know where it's coming from too cuz i've heard um you know like when when you see that um it might say like meat this meat is like you know grown in the united states or whatever but like i've heard that a lot of meat just kind of like comes together is conglomerated and you you have a lot of like cows in like mexico and and canada and stuff like you don't know where the meat's coming from yeah i don't know if that's true maybe that's a speculation but it's nice to know where it comes from you know <laughs> it is um all right well you wanted to talk about a book today right yeah well i just uh i just I, I mentioned it before we started. I last weekend I read um The Great Divorce by C. S. Lewis, which is a really good book. Highly recommend it. I can actually if if you're interested, I know you're busy, but you can I'll I can lend you mine. Um Sure. But you've but you've heard of the book, but you don't know. Correct. I know C. S. Lewis. Yeah. I've read all of the Narnia series mm. and I've also read the um what's it called? assurances series oh okay he's got like three books on the assurance of salvation and whatnot oh is that where the navs get the, the i think the navs came up with it themselves mm. um or like came up with their own version of it but mm. it was kind of I, I i don't really know i don't yeah. think they're the same okay yeah um, but well, i do know like c.s lewis I, I i've read books by him i yeah. just haven't read the great divorce so the book, I, I would say, uh, from the outset, my my main uh, takeaway was, uh, well, it, a few things. First, while I was reading it, you could tell by the writing, it, it's a dated book. Like, you know, like, you can tell this was written in the 1940s. Um, but, so it was a little challenging to understand sometimes, but it wasn't frustrating. That's why I liked about it. It was, uh, it was somewhat refreshing just to read something that wasn't so basic and uh um you could kind of tell I, I don't know this was my impression you could kind of tell that uh people reading it in the time in the time that it was written it probably wasn't a difficult book to read you know it's probably a book that for, for all of the classes you know uh you know it, it didn't matter how educated or uneducated it, that that's the impression i got from it because it spoke really simply, but it, it, there were just a lot of words or phrases that you, you don't hear. Gotcha. Um, and and uh, Do you happen to have an example? Uh, 
Top of your head? No, not really. But yeah, just like sentence structure, and sure. I th- I don't know if I think C.S. Lewis wasn't. I, I I don't think he was American. Um, yeah. So there were some like phrases for. Yeah, he was a English writer. He went to Oxford and Cambridge. So, oh yeah, he's from the UK. So there was obviously some vocabulary differences. You know, just being spelling crazy. things wrong. <laughs> right, right, wrong, <laughs> incorrectly. <laughs> um, what an Americanized world we live in right. now. <laughs> yeah, but the book basically—I'll I'll just give you like the—the the book is basically about um, what it would be like if you took a bus from purgatory or from hell and you took the bus to basically the gates of heaven and what it would be like and uh okay and um one of the big takeaways was um people um who get on the bus to go to heaven um that in the book they're getting on the bus just to go explore like hey there's a bus here might as well go see what's going on and they're greeted by um, people in heaven, like angels, and there there are specific interactions throughout the book, just kind of examples of how people from hell might approach heaven, and it it was basically like people who uh, indulge in their own selfish or, or their their own self interests um, when they get there. There's always going to be another reason to um, go back to hell um, and and not stay, even if uh, you know everything is perfect there. There's always another reason to get back to uh, the hell, and 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 hell is portrayed as um, it, it's really interesting. The hell isn't uh, like this burning place of suffering that um, a lot of people you know would describe it as but in the book it's um this rainy plain town where it never stops raining and it's always just on the brink of dusk it's never dark but it it's never daylight and um people can have whatever they want when they're there they can just think of it and it appears but nothing has any value um it doesn't bring you any fulfillment um, so because you, you can have anything that you want at any time. Well, that and um, it's just not real. It's just uh, materialistic things that they just don't mean anything. There's no. It's it's a loveless place. There's no love, um, and they they show an example like that. They're talking in the book about uh, a few people who went and trekked like years and years away from the bus stop uh to find napoleon <laughs> and they saw it, it it describes napoleon in this huge huge mansion just like this crazy like fortress mansion and uh he's walking around he's just pacing back and forth inside never stopping for days and days for weeks just pacing in his in his fortress in his mansion uh just just talking to himself uh like disgruntled about about um like the wars that he fought on earth and the rain is coming in the rain doesn't stop it still hits him so so the fortress doesn't mean anything it's meaningless um and he's just obsessed with 
his earthly life, like what he did wrong or, or who wronged him um, on earth and why it wasn't fair. Um, I don't know. I think I could just keep ranting. It's a really good book, though. And it makes me think about, like, my life now. Um, are there things in my life that would make me want to, you know, if I had the opportunity to stand at the gates of heaven, are there things in my life right now where I would bring them into purgatory or hell, you know, if, if you believe in purgatory, and who knows. But if you brought them into your own hell, if this was the circumstance of the afterlife, this book, you know, if there were things in my life that I brought into the afterlife, would I want to get back get back on the bus and go back to hell for those things? Um, or would I leave them behind and, like, trek the mountains? Like, what, what are those things in my life? And, um, like, how do I get rid of them? You know, like, how do I cut them off? And um, it also made me think about the just like the petty, insignificant conflicts that people deal with, like in life or like in the world, like day to day. But like I deal with, like what are the things that I care about right now? The materialistic, just bullcrap that I um, like just get really worked up over that don't mean anything. They they really don't mean anything after after we pass and like, you know, um, they matter a lot to these people um, in uh, in the book. Like uh, I'm trying to think of an example in the book. There was one uh, foreman in the book who had workers, and uh, he had an unfair life, but he didn't really treat his workers well either. And so he's he's a uh, He's in, he's at the gates of heaven and he's talking to an angel and the angel was just like, um, you know, like you should, I know you, like I was one of your workers, like let's, let's trek the mountain together. Let's uh, get to the other side. And uh, he's like, well, no, I'm just here for my rights. I'm just here to get what I deserved. You know, I did my, like just very obsessed with his own pride and what he deserved and what um, he did right. And, uh, and the angel was just like, explaining to him well um it's not about your rights you know like uh that's not why you're here you're here to like go trek the mountain and um uh there were a lot of people who you didn't treat fairly um on earth but um but we're all wrong and it doesn't matter anymore like it doesn't matter we're here now um and and like that person in the book it seems that there are a lot of people who will do anything just to, um, will always have an excuse to like turn away from good and just, um, or, or from repenting and moving forward. Um, yeah, that's a good book. It's a good book. Mm. I recommend it. So what do you think C.S. Lewis's point was? What, what was, what was he trying to portray? I think the book, um, well, he, he in the in the preface or preface, however you say, he says that uh, that this was an idea given to him from a, a friend a long time ago. Uh, the the point of the book and um, that people shouldn't take it literally, and that it's not a guess and it's merely just to spark curiosity about the afterworld. But I personally think 
it serves as a good example of what faith on earth can be like. So I was talking to Brian about this, but in the book, the people in this rainy town considered hell. It's either purgatory or it's hell. Because if you if you choose to stay there, it's it's your hell. If uh, it's just the first place you go before you get on the bus to go to heaven, then it's like purgatory. And it talks about how the longer you're there, the longer you are in this rainy town, the further and further you get from the bus stop. And the bus stop is the way to, to get to heaven. Um, but the longer you're there, the more obsessed you get with these conflicts and um and arguments and bickering with everyone else there. And the more you just spread out and you get further and further away from the bus stop just to have some peace, but you can never find peace. Um, to the point where there are people who are like it, it describes people are light years away from the bus stop. And I think the bus stop and the bus represent um, like having faith in God and having, um, yeah, having faith in God, having a relationship with God, because you get on the bus and you go to heaven, and when you're there, you're um, approached with the opportunity to like trek the mountain, to like leave it all behind. Like you don't get to go back and grab a few things from from hell, um, from the rainy town. You like you leave it all behind and you go. And uh, you get stronger. Like when they get there, they're like weak ghosts. They're just like weak ghosts and everything hurts them. The grass cuts their feet. Um, but you, as you trek the mountain, you become stronger and you become like a, like a holy person. And uh, there are so many people who are approached with this opportunity and they say, it's not for me. Like I, I love the things in, in the rainy town too much. Like I have to get back. But they're meaning they're meaningless things when you think about what's on the other side of the mountains, um, and I think that like there are so many people who are approached with the idea of putting their faith in God and putting their faith in Jesus, and they're just like, oh, this isn't for me, you know. They're in love with the world too much, and so they go back, and and they leave, you know, the faith behind, and um, and they go back to their their own hell where they're. There, that where nothing can really fulfill them, and you're absorbed with these things, and these things are meaningless. So I, that's like, and there's always, you know, there's always an excuse to go back, you know, and and you just have to like let it all go and um, and trek towards the mountains. I, I I think it's it's a really good analogy of faith. Yeah, I think that that's what it sounds like most to me. Yeah. I don't I'm I'm wondering if the rainy town isn't so much hell. I mean, maybe maybe that's what he meant it as and I haven't read the book so I don't know. But yeah. I think it might might be more of life on earth. Mm. That's uh, what I that's that's what my analogy feels like. But in 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 the yeah, book based they on what you're saying. Yeah, in the book they specifically say um that it's it's either hell or purgatory, depending on like gotcha. if you leave. Um, and uh, yeah, man, like the the people, um, the people who come on the bus and they come and talk to the angels, like you, the way C.S. Lewis writes is timeless. Because like the things that these people say in the book, I mean, the book was written 
what what is it like um would have been like 80 years ago and the things that are written in the book are are things that people say now like like one um one example is this this mother who on earth i guess lost her son uh when he was a kid and it just riddled her and she became a very um like a very nasty and um just like hurtful person in her life. And so somehow she finds her way on the bus and she gets there and she actually sees her brother. Her brother is an angel and comes and talks to him. And uh, before she even says like, oh my gosh, like brother, how are you? Like, I, I missed you so much. He's She's just like, where's my son? Like, bring me my son now. Like, um, and and he was like, well, the brother was like, well, if you if you come with me, in like due time, you'll, you'll see him. But first you have to, you have to know, to, you have to know how to, um, you have to know how to yearn after and want something greater than just your son, right? meaning God. Um, and she said, well, I, I don't believe in a God like that. I believe in a God of love. And if, if a God of love really exists, then God would give me my son back. And, uh, and the and the 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 brother says, well, like, it's not love because that isn't love because all you would do with your son is take him back to hell, and and you know, just bring him back to this this rainy place, this meaningless town, with you, and that's not love. Um, it's selfish. And uh, man, it was just just that that note. Like, I believe in a God of love, and it's like, well, that's not love what you're describing it was it's a timeless book and it's and it's short too i i uh i read like two chapters a couple weeks ago and i put it down because i was busy but then last weekend on saturday i picked it up and i read i read like a chapter or two and i was like all right i'll just keep reading like what's another chapter because the chapters are short and dude by i finished the book um, I finished the book by like one thirty a.m. I was just like speed reading, but it was so good. Loved it, man. Yeah. Sounds like I gotta check it out. Yeah. C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked it. It really makes you think. It makes you think about what's really important in in life right now. Like what what are the meaningless bicker? Uh, you know bickerings that I get into or the meaningless things that I put so much weight into, you know, and what does it matter, you know? Um, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> the great divorce. Yeah. Yeah. I may have to borrow yours. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Um, what are we doing on time here? Okay. You want to whip out that, uh, am I the a-hole? You got it. Okay. Awesome. We'll be quick. Yeah, we're at we're at about forty minutes. Time flies, man. Time does fly. Where am I having fun? Yeah. All right, everybody. We got an "Am I the asshole?" for you. Let's hear it. Am I allowed to say asshole? Yeah, you can say it. Am I the a hole? A hole. Yeah. All right. So this man asks, "Am I the a hole for telling my wife that our lifestyle will drastically change when she starts working again? Hmm. My wife and I had our baby boy two years ago." When she got pregnant, we made a deal. 
She will stay with our boy for the first two years, and after that, we will swap, and I will be a stay-at-home dad until he starts school. Two years have passed, and I will keep my promise, and will be out of a job by the end of July. Just to get that straight out of the way. My wife has found a new job, but here's where the problem starts. She will make significantly less money than I did, and she seems to be completely oblivious and in denial about it. (laughs) Whenever the topic was brought up by me, she shrugs it off. When I told her today that we have to reduce our running expenses by a good amount, she got angry and accused me of trying to make her feel guilty and miserable. I didn't do any of this. All I wanted to do was make a mutual decision with my partner regarding our finances. Mm. We will have $800 less to spend per month, and that, of course, means that things will have to change. But again, she does not care and does not want to hear anything about it. She called me an a-hole for bringing it up and literally said that I am forbidden of talking about this. She really thinks that I am trying to guilt trip her into staying at home when I have already quit my job. I think she's immature and irresponsible. (laughs) Am I really the a-hole here? Does he say his wife? His wife, yeah. Okay. One, well, I think there are a few problems here. But right off the bat, why are you making a deal with your wife that she'll stay home for the first two years and then and then you will stay home for the rest of the kid's, I don't know, like childhood? Is that the— Yeah, three or four more years, yeah. What, why? You know? Like, I, I think naturally— I think so— there, there are a couple edits to this. Yeah, let's see. And hear. the, I think the first edit kind of addresses that, but not exactly. And then we'll have to like extrapolate from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the edit is that my wife wants to work, and mm-hmm. I would have been happy to provide for my family until the end of time, but she just doesn't want to be a stay-at-home mom. The mm-hmm. agreement was her idea, so that first two years are with the mother, and she's at home and she's taking care of the baby, and then our boy, and then he's with her until, or he's with the boy until he goes to school. Mm. So I think what I'm extrapolating from that is oh. that they both want to work, but they also both believe that someone should be at home full time with the kid at least until they start school. They don't want to send their kid to daycare. Yeah. Well, that I mean, I, I applaud that. I it, think it seems like a reasonable yeah. thing to me. I mean, the way that they structured the deal is kind of weird, but yeah. I, I, I guess I understand the thought process behind why they made it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because I would think that's weird that it was her idea. And if it's only another two years, like, why is it such a big deal that he quits his job that, and then you get back into the workforce? Why can't you just I don't know, stick it out another two years? I don't know. Maybe that's self. Maybe that's uh, insensitive to think. But if you're already taking two years off to, like, um, like be at home for your kid mm-hmm. as a wife, why wouldn't and, – and the deal is you're going to – somebody's going to be at home until the kid's like four or five until he starts going to school. What's another like two years, you know? You're saying why doesn't the wife just stay home? Yeah, yeah. Like like you've already been home two years. Like you probably know, you know, the processes of, of taking care of the kid at home a lot better than have the this dude. Yeah, you have the routine. <laughs> and, you know, like I'm, I when I think about this, I think about Katie. I, I think Katie would be like overjoyed to stay home with the kid mm-hmm. every day. And I don't know, how, you know, about Claire, but like I think just you know, most women love kids, love little babies. So I don't think this woman has anything against staying yeah. with the kid, yeah. but she wants to. I mean, 
my guess is she wants to keep it even between, you know, both are taking on responsibility to take care of the kid. But see, not every responsibility is supposed to be split even between the husband and the wife, you know? That's exactly that's m- where I was going to go. Okay. <laughs> I well, love I it. stole the words. Keep going. No, no, no. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, I mean, like, not every responsibility is, is split 50-50, you know? Like, men and women are different, and and they're more apt to, to take care of things uh, than the other, or, or I would say sometimes sometimes better prepared to take care of things and not that this this dad can't come home for two years and take care of the kid fine but why throw a wrench in it you know and now you're you're talking about financial problem and that's that's a whole separate issue that i can uh, i'd like to dive into but i think that's that's really what the core of the argument is about i think i mean we can talk about the wife should stay home or she shouldn't stay home but the mm-hmm. the deal that they made was she's not going to stay home and that's you know the they as a couple have talked about it and came to that decision and they mm-hmm. did this before they even had the kid yeah and i i applaud that you're planning ahead you're doing mm-hmm. it and that's the decision that you guys made awesome yeah oh hello there we go okay uh, <laughs> um but i think <laughs> oh i think it's the library closes in soon yeah. Okay. But I think that the actual issue is uh they have to start checking on their finances because there's going to be a change in the income. Yeah. Once they switch roles, which they've decided to do and we're cool with that. Mm-hmm. Once they switch roles, there will be a change in income and it sounds like she doesn't want to hear that and she believes that the dad is saying that or at least bringing it up like he is to make her feel guilty into staying at home. This is what I think. I, I'm going to read between the lines a little bit. I think he subconsciously is coming off a little more aggressive because he said, I already quit my job. I, I don't want to like, I'm, I'm cool with staying home, but I think maybe there's a little bit of like, you know, a little shot to the pride that he's not going to be able to provide for his family. I know he says that it, it's not a big deal, but, <laughs> I think there's that. And so it was this agreement they made. And now she's going back, like he's doing this so that she can go back to work and she can, because she doesn't want to be a stay at home mom. Yep. And now they're going to see a little bit of, you know, financial difficulty and she doesn't seem very phased. And so he's upset that she doesn't, that there isn't much, uh, you know, interest in that. And he just took off, you know, took on a lot, uh, like quitting his job. Um, you know, that's, that, that would be my interpretation that he's coming off hot because deep down he didn't want to really leave his job. I don't know though. I, I can see that as a perfectly reasonable thing that's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, um, he doesn't, you know, Maybe he doesn't uh, think like he's like maybe he's not trying to like make her feel like guilty, but he uh, just feels a little spurned that he's doing this. So maybe he's coming across a little differently than he's intended. What What do the people say? You know, I didn't read it because I didn't want to be impartial. Or you wanted to be? I wanted to be impartial. You're right. Sounds like people are kind of on the dude's side. Read, read me a few. couple. Um, that's a good one. Uh, 
Oh, well, here's this. Here's one about the wife. Uh, he is the a-hole to himself for letting his wife squirrel out of taking talking about finances before he quit his mm. job. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. Yeah. yeah I that's kind of what you were saying. They should have planned better. And they, they, they tried to plan. Yeah. And they did a good job of it. But it sounds like uh, right at the end, the other edit that I didn't read yeah. is that he brought these topics up before he quit his job. And he's like, I did, I'm doing this before I'm quitting so that we can yeah. talk about it. But then he's like, uh, we literally have to live with our new budget in a few weeks. Oh, man. And was, I'm like, so you brought it up before, yes, but not, that's not, not enough before. That's uh, not a lot of notice. <laughs> it sounds like if you're, if you're quitting your job like at the end of the month, I feel like you know that's already in motion. You, can, you don't have enough time to make a new decision. You're basically just saying, hey, wife, you have to live with this now. Yeah. I think here, here's, my, uh, here, here's my final... My final verdict. Yep. I think he's the double asshole for two reasons. One, if if I'm reading this correctly, reading between the lines correctly, I think first he's the asshole for laying down and not, you know, making it a big deal that he wants to provide for his family and work and bring home the money and be able to provide the family with a a much greater budget, like a, a workable budget. Yep. And then, so, asshole for not sticking up a little harder for that if that's what he want if he truly wanted that you know and then two he's the asshole for bringing it up now late you know and 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 um you know like like uh being upset with his wife for not having a big concern with with you know the budget because maybe she's fine with it you know maybe she doesn't care if they have eight hundred dollars less you know like maybe they're they're living a a really lavish life and you know, eight hundred dollars. So he's like, yeah, whatever. You know, I don't know. I think I'm gonna go a little bit against you here. Actually, okay, let's hear. I, it. I think that she is the asshole. Okay. Um, but not in a intentional way. I think that it, it's stated in there that um, she doesn't want to change how they're living, even though she's going to be making less. Yeah. Um, and that's because she she wants to feel you know, equivalent. This is an equal exchange, even Mm -hmm. though it's not, which is kind of what we covered before. Right. What I think that, what I think makes her the asshole is that she's not willing to have a true conversation about it with her husband. Mm. I think that the key to making a relationship work is communication. Yeah. That is the number one thing. Like, over everything else, you've got, both of you have a relationship to God as your number one priority, yeah. And you've got to be in constant communication. That's fair. And it sounds like she's not even willing to have a communication about this. Even if he did come in late, yeah. you know, you, you've got to have some forgiveness. And, and you've abs- got to have respect. you got to have mutual respect. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, you have to have respect for your husband. Like, if he needs to have a conversation about something, even if he's, even if he's you know, a little wrong. Like, yeah. you got to give him the time of day. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So I think that... Between the two of us, I think we've kind of covered exactly what it is. Both yeah. of them are a little bit in the wrong, but yeah. nothing that can't be overcome. True, true. <laughs> okay, well, good episode. Um, any final remarks? Yeah, next episode, definitely stay tuned because we've got a really big <laughs> topic coming for uh, yeah, kinda, this kinda school that we're yeah. the school that we're attending. It's a yeah. uh, well, it's and it's true for all colleges so right. it's, it's kind of a big deal and we want to talk about it so stay tuned we've got a big one coming yeah. all right. hopefully it'll be all three of us next time. yeah, oh, yeah. alright thanks